Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there. Happy New Year and welcome to episode number 597 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell. With me is Amanda and we are traveling back in time to December 2015 for this month's RT Rewind. We are taking a look at the reviews in this issue. And along the way, we're going to talk about audiobook series, historical romance, Jesus by volume, and the ever so small range of grades in this issue. We also take a side trip into the Black Dagger Brotherhood series. So if this is a series you read, get ready. We take a long tangent and it's a lot of fun. Inside the show notes and at smartbitchestrashybooks.com or rtrewind.com, you will find a post with pictures of all of the reviews and the books we're talking about and some visual extras. And there's even a player embedded in the post. You can just hit play and follow along. It's lots of fun because, you know, podcasting, famously a visual media, we need to, you know, add some visual aids to the experience. Plus, I linked to a review that I'm very proud of from, oh, goodness me, 2007. Hello and thank you to our Patreon community for not only making sure that the show is happening in your ears every week, thank you folks, but making sure that every episode is accessible through the transcript hand compiled by Garlic Knitter. Hey, Garlic Knitter! Thank you so much for your support. The Patreon support means a lot. And I have a compliment this week to Leah D. There's a lot of decluttering and tidying going on in the world because it's January and there are many thoughtful gifts and mementos from you that are being kept because they and you are too important to the people in your life. 
thank you for being such a good gift giver. Each pledge makes such a difference, and I deeply appreciate your support. I also want to say hi to Kathy, who just joined the community. If you join, there's a Discord, and it's really great. There are bonus episodes, and there's a lot of fun shenanigans. So if you are at all interested, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Support for this episode comes from the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association. Hey, folks! The Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association would like to invite you to a special event for writers of romantic speculative fiction. HEA Quest is an online-only four-hour event featuring three stellar panels of industry experts, including Monique Patterson from Bramble, who's a past podcast guest, Sarah Cannon of Heart Breathings, and Becca Syme from the Better Faster Academy. This event is hosted by the Romance Steering Committee of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association, and the event will finish with breakout rooms for networking with fellow authors. If you write any combination of fantasy, science fiction, and romance, from paranormal to space opera, please join the HEA Quest on Saturday, January 20th, 2024. For more information, look for the link in the show notes, or to register, go to events.sfwa.org slash HEA Quest. Thank you to the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association for underwriting this episode and for hosting such a cool event. I am all about HEA Quest. To find out more and to register, go to the link in the show notes or look for the link inside the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast under episode number 597. Are you ready to start this episode? Strap in, get your beverages, get your snacks, get your seatbelt. We're traveling back in time to December 2015. On with the podcast and this month's Romantic Times Rewind. Are you ready to go back to 2015? To December 2015? I should have done this in December's episodes. We're going to do this for January's episodes. It's fine. Where were you in December 2015? I was in Boston. Um, I think I had graduated from uh, grad school in May. So I was still in Boston. I just left that shitty job and I just, I think November 2015 is when I became a full-time employee of Smart Pitches. I think it was no, that November. Wow, you're right. Mm-hmm. In December 2015, we were moving to Maryland. That was when we moved. It's been almost eight years. So thank you to Shannon Stacy for this, for this issue. We're going to look at the reviews. We sure are. We sure are. Now we can start with the cover. This is an interesting cover. It's very visually memorable. Um, yes, but at the same time, it's very—it's a stock image. It's a blue drapery with a rose on it, and then Elizabeth Hoyt's book, um, the the Maiden Lane yes. book with the big yellow dress, is it is yeah. is is big, and then beneath it are three more Elizabeth Hoyt Maiden Lane books. No, this is not the fourth book. No. Because the, the ones below it aren't one, two, and three. Oh, no. This? I wonder this is why, the ninth book. I wonder why they picked those. For the color? Probably the predis- the previous one. So mm. uh, Swedish Scoundrel is number nine. And then the ones below it are six, seven, and eight. Mm. Yeah. So this was the last four. You're right. Can you imagine saying, I'm going to write a 13-book historical romance series now? No, I feel like no one's really doing that now. It's interesting how much historical romance has 
has changed. Oh, yeah. I feel like you're lucky if you get to three books. Like if you get three in a trilogy and they're all published, I feel like you're very lucky. It's interesting because when I would pick books up, the longer a series was, the less likely I was going to pick up because it feels like such a big commitment. Oh, yeah. You have homework, right? Yeah. And I don't want to like jump in the middle anywhere. But now I feel like I miss it. Like in terms of historical romances, I feel like there are only a few major names consistently publishing now. Yeah. Um, But I kind of miss it. It is kind of fun to go like immerse yourself in a world, right? Yeah, for a while, for sure. But yeah, I just, I really miss those big, like Kelly Bowen historical romances. I really liked hers, but now she's switched to historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and like World War II and World it's War so I huge. historical fiction, so which huge. is not my thing. No, not my thing. So either. yeah, I, I'm really like missing some really good, sexy new voices in historical romance, but that's not where the money's at right now. No, it's not. Every time we talk about the Maiden Lane series, I think, okay, I should I should read it. And then I look at how many books it is and I'm like, but that's a lot of books. <laughs> the audio is so good. Ashford oh. McNabb does the audio for all of them. I think I've made it. I think I listened to books one, two, and three pretty, pretty quickly in succession. I always want to go back to it, but just kind of like fall off. I didn't like book two as much. Uh, but book one and book three, I really liked. I think we've talked about this with audiobooks. Um, I'm very picky about my narrators, as I'm sure everyone has their own personal tastes. Yes. Um, so when you have a single narrator doing voices for opposite genders, mm-hmm. that's the quickest way for me to tap out if I don't like like How it. they're doing like, the voice. You know, yeah. Um, but so far, Ashford McNabb does a very really good job like the hero in the third book charming nikki is like this irish river pirate as you do um the voice she does for charming nikki so good so good so yeah i i highly recommend them on audio sarah so if you've got credits to burn time to burn need some background stuff they are all i think they're good they are all in hoopla and i have put them on my favorites list I really liked, and I hadn't finished it because I had to return the copy, my library copy, before I could finish it. But I was really enjoying the first uh, Penny Royal Green book on audio. Oh, I like um, that series a lot. I like that series yeah. a great deal. That's a that, those are fun. Like that was that's Caroline Linden, right? No, that's no, Julie, that's Julianne, Julianne Long. Long. Julianne Long and Caroline Linden to me, they have a similar like tenor to their writing. It's very like. They're very funny. They're they're a little bit light. I don't mean light like they don't deal with serious things, but it's not like it's it's more about comedy of manners and dialogue with both of them, which I like a lot. I should just go reread some historicals and stop fetching. <laughs> I agree with you about narrators, though. One thing that I really struggle with, and I struggled with this for the um the blonde identity. There were two narrators because the chapters are from alternating points of view. And the problem is when one narrator does the other narrator's character voice and they don't match. Yeah. But I like this cover. It, it, it's not very interesting. I like the colors. I would remember it. But also, you're right. It, it's not really about the book. Like, why is the rose the biggest thing? I mean, obviously, it gives me Beauty and the Beast vibes, yep. the color palette. Yep. Uh, but it 
the cover feels more like an advertisement. Like I wouldn't be surprised if I saw this layout minus the like call outs to what's inside. Yeah. But you know, I could see this as a layout in an ad tucked in the middle of this issue. Yeah, for sure. Shall we start with historical romance since we've been chatting about it? Yeah, let me let me scroll there's a, through. There's a lot of features. This this issue is full of Amanda Bate. This whole this, <laughs> I recognize a lot. A this lot issue of is a lot of Amanda Bate. Sure. So something I did with this round, um, I thought it was interesting how very, very different, not only the number of books per genre in last month's in 2004, not only the number of books per genre, but the names of the genre were different. And so I started thinking, okay, well, how how much did it change? Right now, so this is 2015 in December, in historical, there are 24 historical romances being reviewed, releasing in December 2015, plus five historical fiction. I don't, I don't think that there are 24 historicals coming out from traditional presses in one month right now. No, I mean, like, you could probably make it work if you think about indie oh, for and sure. self-pub. Oh, but for yeah, sure. Not- That's where historical is now. There are two two-star reviews in this collection. One from uh, Sam Hain for Karen Kay's Black Eagle. And then one by and published. I think we can understand why. I think Maybe so, that. yeah. Go we'll there. just leave that be. <laughs> Let's not go near there. And then Barbara Dan's Home is Where the Heart Is, published by Barbara Dan, also got a two-star. But the review I wanted to talk about is on page 18. It is A Whisper of Desire by Bronwyn Evans. Now, the description is is fine, but the review... I started reading this one. So I don't look at yours before I pick mine. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this review? This review and is then terrible. I go, this is a terrible, terribly written review. Mentioning it. Okay. Thank God. Like what? Okay. 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 So the, the, the I'll start with the summary. Um, this is the E-book. Now, we're not capitalizing the B in book now. We are ca- we are putting a hyphen in and the E is capital. They've, they've upgraded their style guide. E-book, A Whisper of Desire from Love Swept. Uh, download for $2.99. Bronwyn Evans, four and a half stars, hot, setting Regency England. So this is the summary. The Duke of Littleton, Maitland Spencer, has bedded yet another woman. Okay. Lady Marissa Hawkstone, right, doesn't remember the events from the evening before when she awakes, but she begins to worry that the cold duke, in quotes, could be troublesome for her future. I am already confused and have some questions, but that's fine. As the rumors begin to spread, Marissa has no choice but to take the duke's hand in marriage. Maitland finds it tough to constantly feed her sexual appetite, but the pair start to settle nicely after a quick start. Then evil is found lurking around the corner, and Maitland must decide if protecting his new bride and his heart is worth risking his life. My guy, your wife likes sex. Just go to Bone Town and live happily ever after. Okay, so I've, I've, this, okay, sure, all right. I like it when there's an insatiable sexuality on the part of the heroine. Usually they have to be like, yeah. oh, convinced. But here's the review. And this review is absolutely dreadful. <laughs> okay. I don't even understand what this... Okay, this I, let's, let's remind everyone that this got four and a half stars. Four and a half stars. this review. Yes. Thank you. Right. Regency novels aren't for everyone. But if you are a lover of romance and don't mind a little heat, Evan's novels are the way to go. 
She constantly reminds us what passion is all about. And because she is so on point with her facts and lively characters, you just can't go wrong. Her latest is suspenseful, well-written, and a great read all around. What the hell is that review? This tells me exactly nothing. I mean, if you like books like this, I guess this one's okay. Like, what? I read that three times thinking that there must be some subtext that I'm missing. Like, I am missing what they're trying to say without saying it, but I I have no idea. And also, even if you don't like Regency, you might like this one. Like, is someone who doesn't like historical romances going to bother reading? Like, who are they trying to convince here? What's the audience for this review supposed to be thinking when they, I'm, you're already reading this section because you want to read historical romance, right? Yeah. So, like, what is this re- This review? is? I was blown away by how terrible that review was. <laughs> it is also all cliche. Like, I do not like cliches. This is just, it's the way to go. What passion is all about. This sounds like the signature file on an AOL email. Her books are what passion is all about. Like, what the, f- oh, God. This review just, as someone who edits reviews a lot, I was really taking this very personally. It's not even my review. I'm going to, what I, I feel like I should do is I should just copy and paste a bunch of these reviews and make like a Franken review for another book. Oh, my God, my face right now. Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> this, these characters rang true. Like, no. Okay. <laughs> I picked a review similarly for why you picked this one in that like this feels like a generic just like jumble of words that you could just put to any book word salad yes yeah it is a word salad so i picked it's on page 19 the striker by monica mccarty and to refresh everyone this series was like what if we made navy seals but they were highlanders what if they were scottish highlanders and that's what this series was. 1300s Scotland. Yeah. So it's like historical romance Navy SEALs was the premise for this series. Um, and the review is the 10th book of the Highland Guard series is as powerful as the others. It is the highly romantic tale of lovers forced to make difficult decisions. The consequences of their actions turn this into a deeply emotional, rapidly paced, well-crafted read. That's it. Like, this does not feel tailored to the book at all and is so vague and generic it in could its be, critique. It could be about anything. It is like it refrigerator poetry reviews, right? Yeah, I could write this about, like, the Bon Appetit magazine I read while I'm on the toilet. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just word salad. And there is certainly, I'm often in it, an audience that consumes romance like... Um, snacking, like literary snacking. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I do it all the time. But I wonder if some of these reviews are for people who are like, am I going to like this? Yes, no. Like this is just a very specific binary. And they're all like, oh no, these are fine. Whereas the the two-star review, like let me grab one of them. Black Eagle got two stars in part because there's details of tribal life, but it's not enough to carry the plot and stilted dialogue and improbable action. Like, okay, that is a review. I understand what the problem is with that book. Um, then the other two-star reviews is, it's interesting. It'll grab readers' attention from the get-go. We have already wasted a bunch of words on cliche, by the way, right there. 
Yeah. Sometimes the flow is interrupted by the unbelievable plot. It's a sweet story with a serious heaping of faith. It's sluggish. Readers will eventually discover the entire point of the story if they have the patience to finish. Like, See, that I... actually tells me something. Shall we move on to mainstream fiction? Yeah. All right, mainstream fiction. In this section, there are 11 total reviews. All of them are between 3 and 4.5 top pick. Like, there's there's a very, it's three, four, four and a half, four and a half top pick. And two reviews use the language, nothing short of blank as their concluding point. So again, we've got some word salad. I picked a review on page 26 for Branching Out by Kirsten March, 4.5 stars. We'll do the same thing. I'll read the summary first. Shelby Myers is about to marry Ryan Chambers. Despite their different backgrounds, they have a strong connection that will be tested in ways neither of them imagined. Shelby has fear she will be like her own mother was with her absent from most of her life. She is in no hurry to become a mom, as they are both busy people. When Shelby disappears without any word, Ryan is rocked off his foundation and fears she is gone forever. Both learn that sometimes your the past has to be revisited to turn your future into something worth fighting for. So here is the review. Branching out begins where family trees ends, reunited with familiar characters and great new ones. Characters are charming, but a few are not who they appear to be. The storyline is believable, and has curves that enhance the plot without overshadowing the plot. March is an up-and-coming writer who has done the research in the area the story takes place, and it shines through. Okay, curves that enhance the plot without overshadowing the plot? What? Uh, Again, I am bothered by the quality of this word salad. (laughs) This word salad is not to my liking. Anyway. So... I picked on page 25, Girls Who Travel by Nicole Trelevis. Trelevis? I think it's Um, Trelevis. I think you're right. Trelevis. I saw this one. Uh, I'm very intrigued. Four and a half stars. Um, The summary is what got me. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, what is this? I mean, like, one, good for her. But two, I'm like, I don't understand. I need more context in the summary as well. Um, So the summary is... Kika Shores okay. is meant to travel, not work in corporate America. Me too, Same Kika. Yeah. Sign, <laughs> sign up on the line. There's a long line of us. When her time at Voyage Corp is cut short, a babysitting gig in London pops up and gives her the opportunity of a lifetime to be on the go and to reunite with her Irish love, Lachlan. Um, what is Voyage Corp? Like, it seems... It sounds to me like it's a travel, travel company. company. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, I thought I would travel, not be chained to my desk at this travel company. And then a babysitting gig in London. Like, I was working in corporate America. Now let me babysit your kids in London. I'm going to guess yeah. that the incomes at those two different positions are slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess that the income is a little variable between babysitter and corporate America. Although, you know, salaries are weird. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. And then the summary continues. However, her travel plans go slightly different than anticipated. On her adventure, Kika finds that there is a lot to discover in a new place. So we have woman upset that she's in the rat race in corporate America. She just wants to travel. To travel. (laughs) She's meant to travel. Then gets a babysitting gig in London and also hopes to reunite with some long-lost Irishman that she fell in love with. But there's a lot to discover in a new place. Yeah, no shit. Water is wet and ice is slippery. (laughs) 
So yeah, the re- the summary more than the review got me because I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, and the in the review does mention that this is a slightly unrealistic scenario. You don't say, yeah. <laughs> Though the overall plot appears a bit too convenient, readers won't let a slightly unrealistic scenario spoil their trip to London alongside Kika. And also, they describe the characters as animated. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. Do they talk with their hands? Are they Italians? What? Like, I don't understand what animated characters means in this description. I still couldn't tell you what I'm going to find in this book. Yeah. Like, I, one thing I like about the way that we talk about books right, right now in 2023, 2024, is that we identify and share the tropes that we're talking about so we can find other books like the ones we want to read. We all like our own flavors. This is just... Here are some words, self-discovery and animation, and her journey is nothing short of lovable. Here's another nothing short of. This doesn't tell me anything. It's very frustrating. Is it like, you know, the the mystery white airheads flavor of like, you just, you don't really know yeah, what the flavor is. It's just some flavor. Shall we move on to teen scene teen. Ugh. we're we're new adult reign supreme oh here. it's all new adult in here there's some science fiction and there's some like paranormal and futuristic but a lot of it is the angsty life-changing drama of new adult new adult i will say new adult makes me tired it's just too many it's- feelings too many emotions all in one place it just, it was never my genre. And that's fine. If people like it, that is awesome. The thing that is popular does not always have to be what I like, but new adult makes me very, very tired. I feel like new adult, and I use it separate from shorthand of like big feelings, but more of like, we're in this nebulous gray period of like not in high school, but not quite on your own anymore. We're in this sort of like transitionary period. And so that's, kind of how I use it as a, a signifier now of like mm-hmm. this character is not a high school student anymore but they're not on their own okay so I picked a book called Light of Day by Allison Von Deepen um, on page 30 yeah and my, my note in parentheses was Jesus Christ <laughs> uh, so I'm going to read both I'll read the review first um, this got three stars The pace of light of day is so fast that it suffers in the area of character and relationship development. There's so much going on plot-wise that the connections between the characters are not given enough time to manifest, keeping all relationships at the surface. The storyline is interesting, though, and relevant to current times. That's a three-star review. Okay, there's too much going on, but at the same time, three is the lowest marker you get in this section. There's nothing below this. So this was not good, but still three stars. Okay. Yeah. So this is still in teen scene. It doesn't label it as new adult. It doesn't label it like have any sub labels. Right. And the the last sentence is what got me of like the storyline is interesting, though, and relevant to current times. So Mm -hmm. hold on to that sentence as I read the summary. I will stick a pin in it. Gabby Perez is, sh- oh, by the way, a uh, content warning, trigger warning for this book summary. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. He- oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Gabby Perez is shaken to find out from a cute stranger named X that her and her friend's drinks were drugged. She's also horrified to learn what her fate would have been had it not been for X. Someone is forcing young girls into prostitution. Oi. Interning at a radio station, Gabby is determined to get the word out about what's going on. When a friend of Gabby's goes missing, Gabby and X team up to search for the girl. But who is X really and what is his motive in helping Gabby? And what is she going to do about the intense attraction between them? I'm sorry. That's a, that doesn't matter. Someone is drugging young women. There's trafficking going on. I don't care about your pants feelings. Yeah. But the the storyline's interesting and relevant to current times. Indeed, I echo. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow. That's pretty heavy. Oof. Mine is on page 28 and I picked this because it is always great to encounter a truly fantastic hero name. This is for This Raging Light by Estelle Lore and it is four and a half stars. Um, this raging light is messy, but so is life. Lucille is in over her head and lashes out. In love with the wrong person, she's also incredibly determined to do right by her little sister and be a loyal friend. This novel is so real. Mistakes are made and horrible accidents happen and no supernatural hero can step in to save the day. That is up to Lucille. Laura's debut is brilliant and not to be missed. I don't understand. It's so real. It's so real, man. Okay. But so also messy. But also messy. So here's here is the review, um, or the summary rather, and uh, mild, mild content warning for ableist language. When her dad goes crazy and her mom walks out the door, it is up to Lucille to maintain the house, pay the bills, and take care of her little sister, Wren. There are few worse times to fall in love with Digby her best friend's twin brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> what a, what a I have a general name. rule that I never, ever want to make fun of someone's name because most of the time people don't choose their own names and they come with a lot of meaning and it's it's not cool to make fun of people's names, but when it's a character, <laughs> I gotta say, I'm sorry, Digby. Digby. Anyway, let me finish up with Digby here. <clears throat> with Digby her best friend's twin brother. And the last thing that Lucille needs is yet another concern, let alone the sweet, funny, not single Digby. So I was just curious Uh what the name Digby means, where it hails from. Oh, no. Um, And the first one that comes up is it's an English baby name meaning farm by a ditch. Okay. Or town by the ditch. Okay. So English and Norse. All right, Digbyshire. All right, Dig Digby. Okay. I mean, I feel like we've we've we need we deserve a good hero name. Shall we move on to inspirational? We have got yeah. an excellent job in this one. So in lack in, of boilers still. Lack that. of boilers, but I think I've got something pretty good. So there are 20 <laughs> four inspirational novels published in this month and they are all three to four and a half stars top pick plus a gold and i still and I, don't know what, what what are we trying to do we have top pick top pick gold 
Well, Sarah, I told you, you can't one-star Jesus. That's true. You cannot. That's not allowed. You just got to create some room at the top and then like make three-star the one. This is like when I was in graduate school and if you got to see, it was failing. Fuck that. Okay. So on page, excuse me, on page 35, Until the Dawn by Elizabeth Camden, four and a half stars, top pick. Okay, here we go. The review is, once again, Camden delivers a masterpiece of literature as she breathes fresh life into a timeless tale of a surly, wounded hero and a sweet, wholesome heroine. With its almost tangible setting and vibrant characters, the story evokes shades of both Jane Eyre and Beauty and the Beast in turn, but is so much more compelling. Sharp, witty dialogue and a tale of generational tragedy will keep readers entertained and enthralled until the very last word. Okay, great. Here's what's cool. Quentin Vandermark makes a stunning return to the family's cliffside estate and discovers that Sophie Van Rijen, I think I'm saying that wrong, it's R-I-I-J-N, Rijen, 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 it's probably Dutch, so I'm screwing it up. Anyway, Sophie has been using the rooftop of the abandoned mansion to work as a volunteer for the recently created Weather Bureau. On a mission to quell the rumors of a family curse, Quentin resents Sophie's presence, yet finds himself inexplicably drawn to her. Despite their conflicting beliefs and purposes, will a shared love of Quentin's son be enough to unite their hearts? She is an amateur volunteer meteorologist as she's squatting in his house. It's amazing. Inspirational. Loves a heroine with like a quirky little interest. Cool. Hospital nutrition. Yeah. Weather. Yeah. Like she's an amateur meteorologist for the recently created Weather Bureau and she's just hanging out on the roof of this guy's house. And she's like, I'm sorry, meteorology demands it. I love that. That just hell yeah. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> so there are two that I want to mention. Excellent. I cannot the- wait. Tell me everything. The, it's also interesting that we have the most opinions about the inspirational categories. Um, so the review I initially picked was on page 36, and it's Romance by Design by Gail Gamer Martin. And I'll read the review first. Um, this book takes place in Boston, and immediately I was like, what? Um, which is a nice change from the author's usual location, Michigan. <laughs> yeah, fuck Michigan. <laughs> this is a sweet, descriptive tale with a character longing to find peace and a sense of belonging. There are some scenes that are perfect for the upcoming holiday season. Um, and then the summary. Hunter Evans is an interior designer at a prestigious Boston firm. He meets Morgan Brannigan at a charity event he was forced to attend. He is not pleased when he learns that Morgan is the new designer at their firm, hired to bring her country flair to the modern design team. Oh, that's not going to work. I know. He is even less impressed by the fact that his boss is throwing them together on projects, hoping they can mesh their ideas together to win contracts. Can they learn to work together, or will Morgan and her constantly jingling charm bracelet push Hunter over the edge? (laughs) (laughs) Freaking charm bracelet. Oh my god, is the charm bracelet like her whole personality? I don't know. I hate uh, like a jingling jewelry. I hate coins in a pocket. I hate the jingling noise. I'm like making sure everything in my purse is like strapped down so you don't hear my house keys or anything. So I'm with Hunter on this one for sure. 
Wow. But I'm also curious, anyone who sets a book in Boston or just like any place that you're very familiar with, I'm always curious whether they get the details right or not. So, girl, you know, we'll, ma'am, ma'am. And then as I was wait before you move on, yeah, you need to see the cover for Romance by Design. I will put it in the okay. Oh boy. Oh, it's, it's oh boy. It, it, it's it's real bad. Is that the an original cover? I do. If you go to the, go to the Kindle version, oh, and then God, the, a man worse. appears. There's a man. <laughs> a surprise man. So the, the <laughs> so half of the cover is this woman with extremely vibrant green eyes. When you were younger, did you live through the era? where you could change the color of your eyes with contacts? I think so. I mean, I, I'm not a contact person. I am not I don't either. Want to anything in my but eyeballs. they were huge when I was in high school. And I graduated high school in 93. So like in 1991, 92, 93, there were people in my high school who had those contacts and their eyes were that bright nuclear green. So the first thing I'm looking at this is like, oh, she's got those colored contacts from the 90s. So oh, in boy. the... In the Kindle version, there's this guy leaning over in a gray suit that looks just, like it's for a wedding. And he <laughs> he has just said, that guy right there with his ears and his arms crossed, he has just said, hey, baby. Like I thought it was like, hey, do I hear that charm bracelet? Do I hear like, that charm bracelet? I'm going to rip your arm off. But then on the paperback cover, it's the same chick with the bright green eyes. But then there's like a like paint swatches. Paint swatches and uh, curved over a floor plan of a house. But the problem is the green of the paint swatches exactly matches her eyes and it is extremely distracting. So tell me the other book you were interested yeah. in. So I was, after I picked that review, I'm like scrolling through to get to the next section and I see the cover for Shelley Gray's Whispers in the Reading Room. And it's on the next page, 37, and it's two people in a library, and a woman is dressed in red, and she's holding a candle between them. And I'm like, I like the composition of this cover. And then I read the review and description, and I'm like, this actually sounds kind of cool. Um, that cover so is gorgeous. I know. The review is... This concludes the Chicago World's Fair mystery series, and it ties up things perfectly. Gray is a master at integrating rich details and historical accuracies to create an engaging tale that will take the reader back in time. Strong secondary characters are well integrated. It is a shame to see this series end. So, fine review. Whatever. Um, But the summary, Lydia Bancroft loves her job at the library. Due to her family's financial situation, she feels pressured by her mother, who frequently reminds her of the importance of marrying well. Despite being engaged, Lydia is intrigued by the mysterious gentleman who frequents the library. She learns his identity, Sebastian Marks, when he rescues her from her abusive beau. Sebastian and Lydia develop a friendship, and they soon find themselves suspects in a murder that occurs outside his nightclub? Oops. (laughs) What? Is it the work of the society slasher? Oh, God. Or is one of them harboring a dark secret? Oh, So I'm like, this took a turn and I'm interested. Oh, my. A librarian survive, like, helping solve 
a murder outside a nightclub amidst the backdrop of the Chicago World's Fair. Okay, this sounds kind of good. Right? How much Jesus do you think is in there? That's that's my thing with inspirationals or like this section. Of like, is it Jesus friendly? Like Jesus heavy? <laughs> how much Jesus? Like is what's the God's, Jesus content? How much is God d- directing the plot? Like how much is there an actual yeah. Deus Ex Machina except like it's actually God messing about what's the plot? The, what's the JBV? The Jesus by volume? Jesus percentage of this book? <laughs> Or is it just like closed door? There's no kissing or anything, you know. Like, I I wish the grading rubric would specify how religious the book is. That would be helpful to me as a reader. I'm trying not to laugh into the <laughs> the JBV. <laughs> what's the what's the JBV of your <laughs> oh, love it. I think one thing that's really in- interesting about the inspirationals, and we've talked about this for the last couple of issues, that the subjects, the jobs, the setting, the historical period, it is everywhere. Everything is open. Like you will find these all over the place. World's Fair, 1812, 1704. Like you'll just go everywhere. The wideness of all of the elements is so vast. I feel like if you've written a historical that isn't quite going to fit with historical romance, you just massage a little God into it and then you can sell it to one of the inspirational publishers because they seem to be the most open. The inspirational publishers seem to be the most open to the most variety of setting and plot. And yet, all these people are white. Yeah. So you got to have white people. And probably not really having sex, right? You gotta, no, no, there's not going to be content. any, there's not going to be any, uh, stopping, sorry. Jesus. <laughs> Would you like to go first in Mystery Suspense Thriller? Also, for the record, there are 28 reviews in this section. 28 books. And in they're all boring. It's all between feel- three and 4.5 stars top pick and one top pick gold. Yeah. And I know you found something to read mm-hmm. here. But yeah. for me, like, I'm not a big romantic suspense reader. No, so that neither. kind of nixes a lot of those out there. And Mystery Thriller, like, I prefer mine skewing more towards like on the horror side of a mystery Mm -hmm. but um the first review in this section on page 40 is for dean Koontz, um and the book is called ashley bell um and i'll i feel like you don't really need to read the review because you just need to read the summary um and I'll just read the summary. B.B. Uh, Blair's doctor tells her she has a form of brain cancer and only a year to live. When B.B. Oh. makes a miraculous overnight recovery, everyone is astonished. Struggling to understand what has happened, B.B. consults with a woman named Kalita Butterfly, who convinces her that she escaped death because she has a mission to save someone named Ashley Bell. But who is Ashley Bell? It quickly becomes apparent that BB has mysterious and dangerous enemies who are willing to do anything to stop her. What? Um, right? So growing up in my very rural high school and the library, the school library that we had, um, we had to read books through like AR reading program and you would read a book and take a test on it and you get points and blah, blah, blah. Um, 
but our options were very limited. And I remember our library had a lot of Stephen King and a lot of Dean Koontz, which is wild to read as a like 14, 15 year old. Like they're just wild. I read a lot of him between the ages of like 14 and 15 and then haven't touched anything since. And it's like, <sighs> wow, good to know. Still, the brand, the Dean Koontz brand is still going strong in 2015. 2015. Have you read a Dean Koontz book? Not a chance, no. The book I wanted to talk about is on page 43. And like you said, I do sometimes find books that I want to read here. And I read this section thinking, okay, which ones would I want to read? Death Comes to Curland Hall by Catherine Lloyd is on page 43. And One of the things I like about this section, because mystery, suspense, and thriller are all very distinct genres in terms of like plot and expectation, at the top of each review, um, what's this magazine called this month? RT Book Reviews? Yes. It keeps changing its friggin' name. RT Book Reviews will tell you some of the key elements about the book before they give you the review. So Death Comes to Curland Hall is listed as Mystery Amateur Sleuth Historical, which is okay. I'm listening. It has four and a half stars. This superb series contains rich historical details that transport readers into village life. The mystery is intelligently constructed and aided by the nicely crafted characters motivated by devious intentions. Scandalous revelations uncover the true killer, and the ending is as surprising as it is satisfying. Enhancing the novel is the complex relationship between Lucy and Major Curland, who often argue over Lucy's role in the investigations. Lucy is headstrong and tenacious, and the relationship develops through mutual admiration, while the the duo prove to be a formidable crime-solving team. So this is the third book in the series. Um, But I was already like, oh, a long, uh, complex relationship developing over multiple books between two intelligent people who solve crime. I am interested. So here's the (laughs) summary. Lucy Harrington has returned from home from London to help with her friend Sophia Griffin's wedding. As wedding guests arrive, Lucy and her father are asked to allow Mrs. Chingsford and her daughters to stay at the rectory. Lucy soon learns that Mrs. Chingsford, Mrs. Chingsford is a disagreeable woman who has her sights set on Lucy's father, the village rector. Lucy is dismayed after her father proposes to Mrs. Chingsford. However, the engagement is short-lived when Mrs. Chingsford is found dead at the bottom of a staircase in Curland Hall. Was it an accident or a murder? It appears Mrs. Chingsford had plenty of enemies who wanted the mean-spirited widow dead. Lucy and Major Curland agree to investigate together as they search for a killer who has their sights set on silencing another guest at Curland Hall. Oh, we're pushing nasty ladies down the (laughs) stairs now, are we? So if you're curious and you are like, wait a minute, I will tell you, this is the third book in the series. They are all available on Hoopla and in KU. So you can read them as part of Kindle Unlimited and you can listen to them on Hoopla, which is what I will be doing. And the first one, if you want to start there, is called Death Comes to the Village. And I have it queued up on my phone. <laughs> I, I mean, you give me some smart people in a you know limited social space in a historical period where they're not like running around a ballroom. They're in a village. This, this, this person is obviously the rector's daughter. Like I'm already like, okay, and, and, yes, and, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm, yeah, okay, I'm in. Let's. Every I'm, time you say it, I'm like, rector. Damn near killed her. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to science fiction and fantasy? 
It's a yeah. whopping section. There's eight total books, four to four and, and a half stars you top pick. something out about this section. Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. Bottom of page 47, in the corner, it says... For reviews of futuristic sci-fi and fantasy romances, please visit our paranormal section on page 64. But those are not the same thing. They're not. They're not. If I want a fantasy romance, I'm expecting it to be the sci-fi and fantasy section. Right, because we've already discussed the finer elements between paranormal and fantasy, and they're not the same. Sci-fi, futuristic, and fantasy... Definitely not the same, but I expect them to be reviewed in the same set. Okay. I'm very confused by this editorial yeah, decision on like, this part that they made. They made this decision eight years ago. And I'm like, damn it. That's fair. <laughs> I know. But like they call out like subgenres at the top, like fantasy uh, adventure. Fantasy steampunk. Science fiction. Like, yeah. Why can't they just put romance in there? Like. It's very weird. But okay. Bizarro. So the book that I want to talk about is on page 46. It is called Warlords and Wastrels. It is by Julia Knight. It is a fantasy. It got four and a half stars. It's a bit surprising that after the huge war-torn political and magical complications of the middle part of this fine trilogy, Knight reigns the scale right back for this smaller but intense story of a few small groups tearing each other apart in the snow. But it fits for Vocho and Kacha. Okay, if I was reading those names, this is V-O-C-H-O and K-A-C-H-A, I would trip every time and have to double check who <laughs> I was talking about. That would mess up my readings, my, my reading speed for sure. The characterization and psychological depth here are still stellar throughout and Knight really makes you feel the peril of their environment as well as the less physical threats, whether to self-image or sense of duty or anything else. That closer focus just reaffirms that the real satisfaction in this story is Knight's well-crafted specific setting and the characters she very much brings to life throughout. You need to look at the cover. I linked to it. I saw. No, I looked. Yeah, I clicked on it. Wow. Okay. So it gives me that the like cool guys don't look at explosions. Yes. Sort of vibe. It's an illustration. It's a style that you don't see a lot anymore. There's stuff exploding behind them. He he's they're sort of back to back at an angle. They're both wearing leather and waistcoats and belts. I mean, this has a very steampunky vibe, except that they're holding swords and there's no gears and top hats. But they're very shiny and dirty. Like he is just a sweaty, sweaty dude, and they're in some kind of catacombs, and it looks bad ass. This cover yeah, looks amazing. Cool. I am very into this cover. And the the tagline on the cover is peace is for cowards. <laughs> but this is the well, Duelists trilogy. If anyone is curious, the Duelists trilogy begins with swords and scoundrels, then legends and liars, and then warlords and wastrels. Um, and it looks like these two are just the pair through the whole thing. Yeah. But the but covers, siblings. Yeah. The covers are bad ass. Well, the taglines are book one is dying is for amateurs. Yes. Book two is honor is for fools. And book three is pieces for cowards. Okay. That's that's a that's a vibe. That is entirely a vibe. And this is this is like <laughs> a cover that chews on the scenery. It's so good. But yeah, that looks that looks pretty badass. I feel like this issue is just titled um 
December 2015, Amanda rants, because this is like the <laughs> second or third rant I have. Okay, about. well, I'm, I write down like subtitles <laughs> while we're recording, and I have already written, what's the JBV, Jesus by volume, but now I have to say, this is... I like the JBV one. Though. Amanda rants. <laughs> I mean, somebody gave me a subtitle, uh, a subtitle field in the podcasting software, so I was like, well, I better start putting something pithy. Yeah. I picked... Um, the review for Chimera by Mira Grant, which is on page 47. Yep. Heard of that. Um, do love a Mira Grant book, a.k.a. Shannon McGuire. Um, and the review is, The third and final installment in the Parasitology trilogy is not a disappointment. Good to know. Uh, Grant's analysis of the complexities of a symbiont living in a host's world with full self-perception and personal choice never lacks depth or provocation. Sal and Nathan's relationship, cross-species and real, is touching and complicated. The only slight nitpick is that the mutation adaptation of the tapeworms seems abnormally rapid. There is also the slightly unnerving fact that the main villain is a narcissistic tapeworm. Can I trademark that phrase? That's, <laughs> that's what it says in the review. No one will find a flaw in the ending. However, they may question the rapidity of its occurrence. Um... Narcissistic. Definitely makes me want to, yeah, narcissistic tapeworm. Definitely makes me want to read that series. I haven't read the series by Mira Grant. However, I do not think this magazine should be reviewing sequels and subsequent books in connected series. I feel like it is not worth the space. That's really interesting because I just reviewed a book, I just went over a book three. Um, the last one was a book three. Why do you think they shouldn't be reviewing the subsequent books? So if they're a standalone, sure, mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah. Um, but I haven't read this series before and I just read the review for the last installment of the book. Right. And a little bit of a spoiler that the villain is maybe a narcissistic tapeworm. Maybe that's a big reveal that the villain is actually a tapeworm. Who knows? I don't. Oh, um, so the problem here is that they're giving away a lot in the review without, yeah. without, see, that's really interesting because I know when I edit reviews and like um, somebody was reviewing a book two and was just sort of talking about things. And I was like, hang on, is all of this a spoiler for book one? They're like, oh yeah, yeah, it is. So, you know, we hide it. Because you don't want to spoil the book. Yeah. I mean, I know when I'm looking at a series, I won't read the descriptions of like book two, three, or four because I know what happens in book one and then that gets boring. Like so-and-so are now married. Oh, yeah. well, I guess it works out. I think like if I you've already started this series, you're probably going to give book three a try. Yeah, and you're for probably sure. not going to be seeking out reviews of book three no. because you want to read it for yourself. Yeah, you know, obviously this doesn't apply to like standalone series books like in historical romance or whatever, where right. like the current plot doesn't hinge on anything happening in prior books. Right. So I think like just reviewing book one of a series should be it. If you're reviewing the sequel or final book in a trilogy or whatever, I think it's a waste of space that you could have given to another book. I feel like it's unnecessary. Or the, you could do those an kinds of books. You could do an abbreviated because I mean, remember, part of the purpose of this book is also to tell librarians and booksellers what's coming out and like to you know which ones do they want to stock. It's I think it would be enough to not give away so much of the plot development. 
like, this is not going to disappoint you if you've kept up with this world. This is a great final to the end. Everything is wrapped up well. The, the story is just as strong. That's all I need to know. This, you're right. This is a lot of spoiler. And that's kind of unfortunate because you don't, you don't really have a choice. It's just there. Like you can't choose. Yeah, like it makes me curious in the series for sure. But yeah, like I don't know if what I'm reading is supposed to be known to me, the reader who has never picked this up before. Right. Romantic Suspense has oh boo yeah it's 13 books you will never guess the range you'll never ever guess the range it's three to four and a half stars top pick i i don't understand why (laughs) romantic suspense is separate i don't i don't understand why the review section is so small like the the range is so small i'm like yeah okay none of these grab me so we're just going to move on to contemporary yeah okay okay so contemporary There are 35 books in this section. And again, the range is three to four and a half stars top pick. That's a four point range. And it's no way. It's so silly. And the odds are not in their favor that this range is right. Even if you just had this, this, these, this section, just these 35 books, that is way too close to be realistic. I will say, however, in a moment that probably gave some people a lot of heartburn, there are two books in this section called Controlled Burn, one by Shannon Stacy and one by Nikki Duncan. And I know that it really bugs people who are working on a book when another book with the same title comes out in the same month. That Well, this sucks. is back when like firefighters were the thing, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is another review where I was like, what? is this? It doesn't, I don't understand. Okay. So this review is for Samantha Chase, I'll Be There, four stars. This is the review. The Montgomery clan returns and the matchmaking uncles are at it again. The chance to revisit with family members is a bonus as they all put in their two cents worth of advice. That's That's two two sentences. sentences. (laughs) Holy cow. What is the, and, and the first line of the summary is after a devastating mountain climbing accident. Like what? This sounded like everyone was having like a really bad meal at a diner and uncles were being annoying. And no, it's like <laughs> falling off a mountain. But no, this, the review is four stars, hot, two full sentences. What about you? Yeah. The reason why I picked this one is not because of the review content or anything like that. It's on page 54. It is the first review in the contemporary romance section. It's The Harder You Fall by Gina Showalter. Mm-hmm. Four and a half stars. Hot. Top pick. Top pick. Yeah. And this goes back to, they reviewed a Cressley Cole, like her Russian mafia erotica books, and gave it like a top pick, like, you know, mm-hmm. one of the highest grades. And I'm like, mm, I love Cressley Cole, but I would not rate that book that highly. Same with this one. Gina Showalter, I started reading her when she was writing mostly paranormal romances. I feel like I'm a little bit more forgiving in paranormal romances with heroes who are like self-destructive or domineering or whatever. Because my little brain compartmentalizes and be like, they're demons. How do they know that this isn't acceptable? Uh, (laughs) So that's how my brain works. However. Gina Showalter's contemporaries are pretty much the same brand of self-destructive, self-sabotaging, domineering heroes, but just in a contemporary set dressing. And I hated this book. I hated this book. I hated this series. I think I only read 
this one and maybe another one. Like there might have been like a prequel or something in this series. And I was like, I'm good. I don't think Showalter's contemporaries are for me. Um, and just like moved on. Um, and I'm like, I'll just stick with the paranormals. That's fine. See, seeing two books in RT that both got highly rated from authors that I've enjoyed before and have read those books and definitely would not give them as high a grade as they are getting mm-hmm. definitely makes me question if my tastes as a reader match up with reviewers and i think that's a hard thing to do yes um because i mean their point is to sell magazines they're not yeah so it's like i i don't trust the grades yeah me neither as being an accurate reflection nope and i think it's one it's all about finding reviewers that you match with Mm -hmm. and i think that's why our site works so well is people um find their sort of like reading match yeah. to our reviewers. Yeah. You know, tastes align, thoughts and feelings align, or we're given the space to explain our thoughts and feelings and someone can be like, oh, I picked this up too, but I disagree with you and this bothered me less or this bothered me more. Mm-hmm. But for the magazine, they are restricted by space, which puts them at a disadvantage. To where we don't really get to know the reviewers and mm-hmm. learn to like trust what they're saying or get to know the reviewers in a way of like, oh, this person reviews a lot of paranormal and I read a lot of that. But like we have different tastes on heroes or heroines or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just like after reading this review and the Cressley Cole review, I'm like, I don't know if I would turn to this magazine for reviews i think for me like i would use it as a resource to see what's coming out Mm -hmm. and maybe just read the summaries but i think if i were consuming this magazine as it were coming out um i don't know if i would give the reviews any credence whatsoever for for my own reading purposes and how i would use it I think it's more of a purpose of here are the books coming out this month that you want to be aware of as a romance fan. Yeah. It's much more of an awareness tool than a critical tool. I mean, that's part of why the site was co-founded. We, I, you know, co-founded the site because there was very, very little criticism of books and saying, no, this doesn't make any sense. And it was bad. You can't have this many books without some of them being bad as 35 books in one genre, for heaven's sake. They can't all be like good to great. There's no way. So, paranormal, as we scroll for 19 miles. I loved this particular session okay. section this month. I tell, saw a lot of good names. That, tell me like, why. Made, made, I mean, we got Thea Harrison. Yeah. We got G.A. Aiken. Yes, we do. Kate Baxter's Warrior, like, Warrior Vampire books, I liked for the most part. We got Cressy Cole. Yeah. Um, J.R. Ward makes an appearance. Oh, we got man. some, like heavy hitters here and Jackie, it made me frank jacqueline frank is in here that's a name i haven't read katie mccallister rachel kane is yep. here yeah like it really took me back and made me so happy to just to like revisit these like names and titles yep i definitely smiled a lot like just seeing 
some of these books because I remember I'm getting like good memories reading these authors and these books in particular. So I love this particular section this month. So what book did you pick? So <laughs> this one wasn't a good one. <laughs> this one made me confused uh, a little bit, but it's for a book called Disciple by Jody Wallace on 65. Um, readers are well advised to start with the short preceding novella, Tangible, before embarking on Maggie and Zeke's main event. Also, thank you for pointing out that maybe we should do some background reading. Yes, this reviewer knows how it works. Yeah. Apart, the stories are not as strong, but together they build an intriguing world with a ton of romantic and paranormal tension. Maggie makes a wonderful non-traditional heroine relying on her will and her brain more than her biceps which i feel like is a sentence at odds because um traditional heroines don't rely on their biceps in general yeah i would say the opposite would be the non-traditional but okay yeah while zeke would soon uh would soon take on a platoon of vampires or zombies then deal with an emotional situation no thanks man you gotta get yourself to therapy yeah um, good protagonists, an ex-girlfriend from hell, a dash Ooh. of humor, and some great action scenes make this a terrific read. Yeah, I definitely paused at this man would rather fight vampires and zombies than talk about his feelings. <laughs> no, thank you. Which, like, reminds me of when you bring up of, like, a man is angry because you made him feel a thing. Yes. Yes, you've made me feel a feeling and I must fuck it out of you. Yeah, I, like that's what it reminded me. Of. But like, come on, guy! Like, if you would rather fight terrible monsters, then talk about your feelings. Then- I don't have enough pages in this book to wait for you to get emotional fluency yeah. enough to function as an adult human being. Like, we're I'm yeah. done. Like, I'm not. I'm not. I deal enough with the emotionally immature in my real life. I don't fantasize about that being a hot thing. Like. Also, you got to look at the cover, Sarah. Oh, my God. Let me, let me. Hang on. I'm pulling it up. What? What happened to them? Disciple urban fantasy forbidden protector hero romance. Dreamwalkers part two. What is happening to them? They're about to be men in black with the, you know, the, the light, I feel like. But then they're like sleep kissing. Like, that's a weak kiss. So this is what people who tell you not to stand in front of the microwave think happens to you when you stand in front of the microwave. <laughs> they are so overexposed. Like, they're about to be vaporized. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. very white, white, white photo. It's very weird. Okay. <laughs> wow. I, I, am, I am, by the way, really, really over... The titles that are 19 words long, like I'm super over it. Disciple, Urban Fantasy, Forbidden, Protector, Hero, Romance. I understand that I that think, helps. Is with it dis- like an SEO thing? It is absolutely an SEO discoverability okay. thing. I completely understand the reasons why I hate it a lot. Because we're running out of adjectives, an addictive, a compulsive. A, a, I'm like, okay, how about a scrumptious? Start using some interesting adjectives and I will be- Scrumptious Protector Hero. Yes, that's right. So the book that I picked- Okay, so you just went, we're like, oh my gosh, I remember this era. I remember these books. I love this. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea that any of this happened in this, that any of this happened in the JR World Word, Ward, Ward World. That's a tongue twister. I had no idea I any of this happened. I read this. I was like, oh, there's a JR Ward book. It's called Blood Kiss. It got four it's a stars. Spin-off. 
I had no idea there was a spinoff. I it knew is a spinoff. nothing about this. Megastar Ward has decided to launch a spinoff series from her Black Dagger Brotherhood books. And I stopped and went, wait, she really did? Oh my gosh. Yeah. No way. I had yeah. no idea. I was not paying attention. Now, to be fair, I was also moving house at this time. Like when this came yeah. out, I was packing up my house and moving my house, but I had no memory of there being a, a spinoff series. And I was laughing so hard when I read this. Like, wait, this happened for real? Oh my yeah. goodness. Oh yeah. So anyway, if you're curious and you didn't know there was a spinoff series either, sp the spinoff features new, somewhat younger individuals fighting for their place in the Black Dagger legacy. The first book focuses on Paradise, the blooded daughter of King Wrath's first advisor who must break through centuries of societal programming to become a female warrior. Per usual, there are multiple storylines playing out and quite a few members of the Brotherhood make appearances. If you love the Brotherhood series, you are bound to enjoy this one as well. So do they still <laughs> fight guys that smell like Johnson & Johnson's baby powder? That's the important thing. Are they still I mean, my guess fighting probably. the powder puff demons? Is that what's... I, I'm guessing so. Part of me wants to go back. So I'm looking at my Goodreads. Oh, um, that's a dangerous journey. I know. I'm looking at my Goodreads. And I read the Black Dagger Brotherhood series. I only read up to book three. When did I read book three? And I stopped. <laughs> at book three. And I was done. Um, I stopped at book three. When did I read this? I wish it would show me. Um, because this was the book, and I don't know if you know anything about this series and the names. Oh, I know and... a lot. I definitely read the first <laughs> one. Um, I read the one where Wellesley gets killed. Is that the first or the second one? It's early. Oh, I and I was like, oh, I don't I don't know if I want to read this because they just killed off my favorite character. And then I, I wrote a review. It probably comes back. No, she doesn't. She, she's dead, oh, dead. Yeah. No, oh. she doesn't. No, oh, boy. But I read up to the point, um, trigger warning, if you're listening to this where other people can hear you, I'm about to say something very gross. I remember reading up to the point where the guy who was the cop had black jizz. And I don't remember what book that was. But there was definitely. I think everyone some, hated the cop. Well, well, I mean, he was terrible. Um, yeah, I wrote a, I wrote like a, a review that was basically like the backstage actors talking about the plot that they're in, like what the fuck is happening here. Black jism. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this was that was Lover revealed. Okay, and I will so put I, a link to the review in the show notes because I'm very proud of this review. I gave it a D plus, but the review is very funny. So I read Lover Awakened, which was book three. That's as far as I made it in the Black Dagger Brotherhood series. I read it um, 15, 14-ish years ago. Okay. Um, so clearly top of mind. You remember everything about it. I gave it five stars. Oh. And this was the uh, tortured hero. Like, literally, he was like a former blood slave. His name was sadist to put a z s a d i s t um his name was sadist um oh. and the heroine's name was bella and after reading this book i gave it five stars i was like this is peak literature uh we can only go down from here i will not be continuing the series we're going to preserve these feelings where they are and i am done and i never picked up a black dagger brotherhood ever again i was oh, like man. we have peaked at book three 
Goodbye. <laughs> oh my god. But part I, of me is like, should I should I go back and continue? Should no, I, I think you should go back and reread book one and see what past you and present you think of think about it. Well, book one, book one and book two, I only gave four stars. Oh. And then book three, I gave five stars. So wait, book um, three is Lover Awakened. Yeah. Okay. They're pretty routinely rated above four stars and have like I mean, the later ones, obviously, you can see people have tapped out on reading them um, because the first book has 300,000 ratings. Oh, yeah. But at the time that these came out, they were very unique. And one of the things that I... That's a 2000s PNR, baby. (laughs) That's right. It's 2000s PNR and it's a secret society and it's, you know, violent hyper-masculinity with references to biker gangs and they're, they're okay, okay, okay. So, in I just looked up Lover Unbound, which is Vicious Viscous's book, which is book five. Yeah, the names are something, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then what, what's the cop's name? His name's like Bob Butch, Butch, <laughs> Butch. Ruthless. They have Fury with a PH. Yes, <laughs> Pahiri. Oh, yeah, boy. there's Revenge, Revenge. Uh, with an R. R-E-H-V-E-N-G. Revenge. No, I like Viscous. Uh-huh. Viscous and Butch. Jeez Louise. Black oh, Jizz. Black Jizz. That was where we went with that series. And I was like, and I am done. Thank you. I just appreciate. Look, Ward leaned so hard into this. And sure, it's Got pretty some, corny stuff. It's corny and but it's like, problematic. But the commitment to the bit, <laughs> even even in the most recent book, oh yeah, which is let's see, book twenty two. Oh Lord, have mercy! Which came out? Oh, it's coming out next year. We're still going. Okay, so that doesn't have Wait, enough. And that's that's but, not the spinoff. That's the main one. That's the main one. So Holy book twenty one is Lassiter and Raven. R a h v y n. We're it's we're still going. Did she invent we're some still dudes? Going. She must have been. I don't know. There's oh, Savage twenty twenty one S A H V A G E Ravin Ravin R A H V Y N Ravin Lassiter Blay Blay and Quinn Q H U I N N. Wow, this is so weird. We're, yeah, we're, it's still hasn't changed a bit. Uh, you know, you, it's good to know that some things are perennial, even if they're not for me. <laughs> Shall we move on to urban fantasy? Yes. Okay. So we've got five whole books between four and four and a half stars. Top pick. Uh, page 68's Alien in Chief, Ginny Koch, four and a half stars, top pick. If you read the description, you don't need to read the series. This is the same problem we're having before. This is book yeah. 12 of 16, this series. Yeah, we talked about one of these other books in a previous episode. Yeah. because Kitty I Cat Martini. Kitty Cat Martini. You don't forget a name like that. No. And if, you know what? If, and if eight years later we, we laugh at the name, that means it was memorable. So good job. But like, 
if I read the description, I don't need to read the series now. I just read everything that's happened up until now. It's book 12 of 16. I don't. I feel like most of these books in here are continuations. Mm -hmm. And I get it. It's hard to review a continuation of a series. But also other other reviewers are pretty clear. Yeah, you don't want to start with this one. Don't do that. Except for that mad lad in that one episode, in that one issue that was like, ah, it's book five. Start here. It's fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. But also, why can't this be fed into sci-fi and fantasy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What choice? Which one did you pick? I mentioned Wicked Ever After's Delilah S. Dawson's mm-hmm. book on page um, 68. Mm-hmm. And this is where I made a note to rant about subsequent books because this is another one. Mm-hmm. This is uh the last installment of a series. Um, but I just want to point out that the the hero is named Criminy Stain. That's the only thing I wanted to mention. Criminy Stain. He's a bloodman and a ringmaster. And okay. his name is Criminy Stain. And his human love interest <laughs> is Tish Everett. Criminy Stain. That sounds like something like my grandma would say. Like, Jiminy Christmas. Criminy Stain. Criminy oh, Stain. Oh, okay. That's a good, like, rather banal curse word. <laughs> okay. Moving on into series. There are two two-star reviews. And the book that I wanted to talk about is not one of the two-star reviews. Because the thing about the series reviews is that they do put the summary first, but the review is often like one sentence. And it doesn't tell you anything about why it's getting two stars. The book that I wanted to um, call your attention to is on page 78. It is a Harlequin Special Edition Princess Under the Mistletoe by Lee Ann Banks is reviewed kind of on page 78. And they're not really reviews. A lot of these are not really reviews. Um, Sarah Smith is a fraud, a pursued princess in hiding, not a real nanny. But her feelings for her sexy single dad boss and his children are very real. Working in the small kingdom of Chantain, widower Gavin Sinclair becomes very attracted to his children's nanny. His life is too complicated for romance, especially with the enigmatic Sarah, right? Fast-paced dialogue, a riveting storyline, and charming characters make Banks's tale flow well. Her imaginative settings and the royals in this fictional fiefdom give this holiday tale some pizzazz, while the temporary to forever family gives it heart. That's actually a pretty robust review for this section. So I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then I looked at the cover. And if you look at the cover of this book, that guy, that guy is 12 years old. Well, I made a note that the series is called Royal Babies. Maybe he's the baby. He's so young, this cover model. Look at him. He is baby. He's 12 years old, this guy. He looks like a like a politician to be. Like also, Amanda on page 80. I wanted to make sure don't miss that big ass hat. That's a good big I hat. Was, we need a we need a hat watch. Yes, we just a, like find been, the big hat. We have been the, missing the, the big hats in this issue. It was all the way down in Love Inspired Historical before we get a big hat. Yeah. So what book did you pick? So I picked uh, on page seventy two, Triplets Under the Tree by Cat Cantrell, and it's the Harlequin Desire line. 
Uh, one, I think there's a misused word in this review. But two, I read this and I was like, holy shit, this sounds fucking bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I You'll love see a good why. fucking bon- I didn't read this one, so I am I am ready. <laughs> I'm looking at a big hat and I am ready okay. to receive. MMA fighter Antonio Cavallari and his wife were reportedly killed in a plane crash, leaving Caitlin to raise the surrogate triplets she agreed to carry for her sister. Oh. Oh boy. Everything changes when a year later, Antonio shows up on her doorstep intent on getting his life back despite suffering from amnesia oh yes <laughs> they agree to i know they agree to live together while he concentrates on regaining his memories can they move on once the truth of the past is revealed the soap opera style storyline is easy to read and the characters are easy to care for however caitlin's initial reaction to antonio's marriage doesn't jibe w- with her declarations of love the MMA aspects are a real highlight and gave Antonio's personality and actions a sense of authenticity. Jibe, I don't think is right. I think they meant jive with a V, not a B. To jibe is to like sneer at, right? Well, yeah, there's there's two meanings. Jibe is to be in accord or it's to utter taunting words. It means that's how I know it. Both. As is, like to taunt or mark. That's not, yeah, I agree. Okay, that's super weird. So yeah, that's a weird word choice right there. And wow. But anyway, MMA cider. Surrogate triplets. Reportedly died. Who's like, his wife's sister is carrying their surrogate triplets. He shows up a year later and has amnesia. Surrogate triplets? Who has any kind of time for anything if you're raising sur- if you're raising triplets? Oh my god! I want to know the 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 depth of his amnesia. Does he think Caitlyn is his wife? Does he know who Caitlyn is? How is he determined to get his life back despite suffering from amnesia? Like, what parts does he not remember? Are you going to read That's this book what I and find him? out? You should you should read this book and find. I out. I don't like bait. Like, I don't like books with bait. <laughs> I don't. I Just don't ignore love a them. There's only, there's only three. They don't take up my. There's room. only three. So shall we move on to erotica? Uh, this section was Ooh, all right. Something. So, seventeen books. We do have a two star for Kate Pierce's tribute, and the range is two to four and a half. Top pick for seventeen books. I feel like that's a lot more reasonable. Page eighty-two, four and a half star. Top pick, erotic romance menage. Mm BDSM. Coming Back by Lauren Dane. The third book in Dane's Ink and Chrome series focuses on a torrid trio's second chance romance. Okay, I understand what I'm getting here. Sexy, witty dialogue is interspersed with soul-bearing discussions as these characters confront their past and learn to become stronger, more confident people who are better able to deal with life's challenges and feel worthy of each other's unconditional love. Sizzling sex scenes spiced with kink deepen the emotional connection between the three, making this unconventional romance shine while their devotion to each other adds a special sweetness to their dirty good times. That's a good review. I understand exactly what I am getting here. Sweetness, emotion, lots of sex. Got it. But did you read this series or were you more into the other Dane series, the futuristic space one? I read the futuristic one, but Elise liked this series and I believe reviewed one and two in the series of the, the Ink site. and Chrome books. Yeah, we'll put links in yeah. the show notes. 
Yeah. The, I remember the covers being very beautiful. Oh, the covers are gorgeous. I'm pretty sure there's, yeah, if you scroll down, the covers are on the next page because there's yeah. a full page ad for Lauren Dane. I also love that Lauren Dane's logo for all of her branding is Lauren Dane, read hard. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, the, the covers for the ink and chrome were very ethereal, which is weird because it's about guys who fix motorcycles and do tattoos, I think. Yeah, but these the women on these covers have some gorgeous tattoos. Oh, they really so. do. Truly beautiful. So what what did you pick? Oh boy. Um so I picked Stepbrother Mine Ooh. by Opal Carew on Ooh. page 82. If you can guess what that one's about. <laughs> the review here doesn't matter to me. It's the summary. All right, bring well, it on. The I'm summary ready. is a lot. Dana's much-married mother dumps her at Mason's home after she marries his father. Mm-hmm. 16-year-old Dana is left to fend for herself until she meets Mason, who makes sure she's protected from his father's warped behavior. Oh, God. Yeah. Dana convinces herself that she's in love, but Mason, who is older and developing feelings for her, eventually leaves to avoid the temptation. Ten years pass before they're reunited. Dana's mother forces her to find a new way to finance her grad studies. So Dana decides to sell her virginity to the highest bidder. Oh, dear God. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a whole other book. We had a book in the first part. Millionaire Mason is not about to let Dana fall into anyone's bed, especially his perverted father. Oh, dear God. Oh, I know, right? The fact that Mason is dedicated to his Dom lifestyle is the only remaining roadblock to Dana's dream. Mason is sure that he could convince her to take his money without the sex, but she insists, and things only get more intense. It's like a seven-layer bean dip of yuck. (laughs) And it's only 288 pages. You know this book is just like, bang, 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 bang. (laughs) No, thank you. Oh, wow. That is quite a note to end this episode on. (laughs) I am so impressed. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you, as always, to Amanda for traveling in time with me. We do a monster recording session to record this and the ads episodes, and they are so much fun. So thank you especially to Amanda. And thank you to Shannon Stacy for sending me so many wonderful PDF issues of Romantic Times. I am curious, what is your ideal Jesus by volume? I don't know if I, if you could tell that I was bent over away from the mic because I could not stop laughing and I can't like edit out if I'm laughing right into the microphone. I need to move my whole head. I was bent over laughing at that. Jesus, by volume. I will have links to the review that I reference and to HEA Quest in the show notes and at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. You can also find all of the Romantic Times content at rtrewind.com. I don't want to miss the opportunity to name the reviewers from Romantic Times Magazine, December 2015, who wrote all of the reviews that we talked about. And those are Jamie Giraldi, Kathy Robin, Danielle Valenti, Patsy Glanz, Susanna Balk, Megan Watts, Carrie Townsend, Leslie L. McKee, Jill M. Smith, Sandra Martin, Victoria Freyricks, Nicola O, Barbara Pizio, and Jackie McGugans. And speaking of reviews, I want to turn this back to myself. You don't know how uncomfortable that makes me, but I asked for reviews because I didn't have any, and y'all have come through so very, so very, very much. I want to thank We Three Imuras for this review, which is completely making my day. 
Sarah Wendell's podcast has been going for 12 plus years and is always the first listen of the week for me. I'm so honored. Not only do I get great reading recommendations, but the kind, supportive community of readers, authors, and other folks has enriched my life in so many ways. Thank you so much. It is a massive honor to be your first listen. I'm always excited when a new episode of my favorite shows drops. And so I'm I'm really honored that I'm in yours, my favorite list. So thank you. And thank you to everyone who has left a review for the podcast. I don't know where my Apple reviews went, but whoa, darn, they're back. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, I end with a terrible joke. This joke comes from a librarian named James in a Southern town who emails me the best links all the time. And this time, James, the librarian, sent me a joke. Are you ready? What does the cannibal who's late for dinner get? Give up? What does the cannibal who's late for dinner get? Gets the cold shoulder. (laughs) It is so bad. Thank you, James. And thank you for being the librarian. It is a very hard job right now. So please don't think that we don't appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend and we will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find Outstanding Podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.